Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. A podcast where each week I share practical and simple tips and techniques to help you take back control of your mental health and life. In this episode, I sit down with Dr. Henry Cloud to discuss why boundaries are essential for optimal mental health, how to set and stick with boundaries, how to help someone while protecting your own mental health, what boundaries are necessary in marriages and what boundaries are necessary with children, and how to teach your children to set boundaries, and so much more. Dr. Cloud is an acclaimed leadership expert, psychologist, and best-selling author. He draws on his extensive experience in clinical psychology and leadership development to impart practical and effective advice. Dr. Cloud is a New York Times best-selling author, and his books have sold over 10 million copies. Success Magazine named Dr. Cloud in the top 25 most influential leaders in personal growth and development, alongside Oprah, Brene Brown, Seth Godin, and others. He's a frequent contributor to CNN, Fox News Channel, and other national media outlets. You may know Dr. Cloud as the boundaries expert, and I'm so excited to have him on my podcast today. Thank you for tuning in once again to my podcast and for all your support. If you liked today's episode, be sure to leave a review on iTunes and share this podcast and this episode with friends and family and on social media. Thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Dr. Henry Cloud, it's an honor to have you here. I'm really excited to interview you. I love your work. I've followed you for years. We've passed each other in the in the night in green rooms in at different conferences. And yeah. it's just so lovely to connect with you in person. And I appreciate you passing those notes so I'd have something to say on the stage. That <laughs> that was so helpful. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. really good. You helping me, me helping you. I love the notes. Pe- yeah, people they- don't usually write my talks for me and I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, it's such an honor to have you here. And, and your work's been so foundational for so many people. And, and it's fascinating, your background. We have a similar background. We were just sharing before we started the interview and I wanted to ask you the first question is what got you into researching and writing about boundaries and why did you find this important enough to write multiple books on the topic? Well, it didn't start out with a plan to write multiple books on it for sure. So I'm a clinician, you know, trained as a clinical psychologist. My specialty from early on was adults. And so when you start to, to work with adults and you, and you look at the clinical spectrum, mm-hmm. you know, depression and anxiety and all the personality disorders and all of that, there's sort of two lenses that people come at that with. One is, you know, they try to just solve problems and give techniques. But the other lens is to ask the question, well, why are these symptoms there, you know, to begin with? And I was always in the, you know, getting to the root of things and, 
early on, I began to really go deep into the construction of the human personality and the construction of the mind. And when you look at that whole world, really, it's a developmental process. And I early on figured out that, you know, it, the reason we struggle with depression, anxiety, et cetera, is that the piece of equipment that we are, the person, it's not like um, you, I don't think you just treat depression, you treat the person whose mind and body is creating depression. So we're looking at the equipment of how a person is is wired. And when you look at that, it just started to totally make sense to me that an adult doesn't show up as an adult. They get there through a developmental process. Mm, so good. But things go wrong. Mm. And so some people don't have what they need. Mm. You know, when they're growing up, they don't have the, the, the love and the structure and support and emotional regulation mm. and all of that. And so they hit adulthood and there's these gaps inside. It's sort of like the, mm. the software got laid down with missing code and then they get abused or something and you got viruses in the software. I began to look at how do we restore developmental problems in our personalities so that we no longer get depressed or we no longer have anxiety. And I wrote a book, my first book was called Changes That Heal. Mm -hmm. And that was a, a developmental model of how does a person become a person? And there are stages. And the very first stage is attachment. If you have a computer, you plug it in and it's connected to a server and you download software. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what you do with a baby. You know, a baby has attachment and through this relationship, they're downloading mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff into their brains like love and all of these, you know, abilities. But the second step after we're attached and we're in a relationship, then from a little person, what happens in the second year of life, well, they start to separate mm -hmm. and become their own little person. And they start to say, no, yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're figuring out their boundaries and they have to hear no, mm -hmm. and they have to learn how to be in a relationship and be a separate person. Well, you roll that forward to adulthood and sometimes people don't experience themselves as separate. So other mm -hmm. people can control their thoughts or control okay, their moods or mm -hmm. control their functioning and building boundaries mm -hmm. is about achieving that separateness and freedom within a relationship so the relationship works. And so I wrote Changes at Heal, and Boundaries was the second section mm -hmm. of that book, and that's how it all started. It really did, because you're known as the Boundaries Man, aren't you? Well, <laughs> Associate Henry Cloud Boundaries. It's a so funny it's story. I had written Changes at Heal, and John Townsend and I would be out speaking on, on that. And one day a consultant asked us, so what are all the questions about when you speak on Changes at Heal? And we laughed, and we said, well, all the questions are on boundaries. And he said, why don't you write a book on boundaries? So we said, okay, then we won't have to answer these questions anymore, and that's how it started. That's amazing because it's it's you've got all the derivatives of the first boundary book, so it's really reached out to so many different levels, hasn't it? Your yeah, it's crazy. It still goes. I've got an, an online platform called Boundaries.me mm -hmm. that provides mm -hmm. ongoing coaching in boundaries. So here we are all these years later, and – you know, it, the problem never goes away. As long as you have a human with another human, there's a boundary in there somewhere. And in a lot of relationships, that boundary is getting violated. And so people have to learn to reestablish those. Well, just that, that's so, so valid what you've just said. And I love the fact that you've 
spoke about the mind so much because a lot of people think mind brain the same thing and you really focus oh, on the mind yeah which is fantastic yeah. now you've mentioned yeah, one of the most important things that anybody can understand is that your mind and your brain are not the same thing oh good you're speaking my language not thank the you same. it, it, it <laughs> would amazing. be like saying the motherboard of a computer and the software is the same exactly. thing and it's not it's not and and yet people are so indoctrinated to think the mind is the brain that they feel they have no control. And I've seen a lot of your work. You talk about people taking control despite what they've gone through, and I love that. Because the interesting thing is, you know, so much of, of this stuff, and, and look, you know, let's just focus on anxiety for a yeah, second because yeah. we've got panic attacks, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll all of a sudden begin to have a panic attack, and it takes over their, quote, mind. Mm-hmm. That's how they experience it, mm-hmm. right, and the body. But they don't realize, you know, by and large, your brain is producing all of these alarm signals Mm -hmm. and until you separate your mind from your brain then you're a victim of whatever your brain's doing to you outstanding that's such a good explanation but once you realize wait a minute i am not these feelings i'm not these crazy intrusive thoughts i'm not i'm separate from that and once i begin to observe it and then i can rewrite the code and exactly. now we're in, on to a better path. So good. That's so good. We, can you define a boundary? Things that we're talking about, can you give us a nice, simple definition of boundaries? The simplest definition that I've always used is a boundary is a property line. I like that. So if, you're, if you think about your house or your apartment or wherever you live, you know, we can look on a map and you can see a property line. And mm-hmm. this is your house and you have a neighbor and your neighbor lives next door mm-hmm. and there's a property line that separates the two. Now, mm-hmm. what... The neighbor is, that's the relationship, but you're separate. And so your property line defines some key ingredients of human functioning. Number one Mm. is ownership. This is mine. It's not yours. Mm, So if that's true, then I'm in control of my yard. You're in control of yours. Mm -hmm. You can't step over my fence or I can't step Mm -hmm. over your fence Mm -hmm. with a can of paint and decide I'm going to paint your house purple. But that's what people do in life. They step into other people's boundaries Mm. and they start to control them and say you have to think this way you have to do what i want or they take their trash and throw it over the fence Mm. and they hurt people and leave the trash in their brain Mm. and so boundaries are reestablishing your own property and then if you have property you got a gate right and so Mm -hmm. i would love to have you over into my yard and we can talk and we can hang Mm -hmm. out because you're a nice person so i open up my boundary i invite you in we have a nice relationship. But then some people, I don't want them coming into my yard because they're going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. So that's when I close the gate. And boundaries mm-hmm. are not walls. Boundaries are permeable. Mm-hmm. So we open up to good things. We go in and out. Mm-hmm. I go to your house. You mm-hmm. come to mine. That's a relationship. But then if I started to hurt you in some way, you would use the first boundary and say, don't do that. Mm. And then if I continued, you'd throw me over the fence, right? Exactly. You throw the trash out <laughs> and say, look, you can do that if you want to. You're doing it in my yard, not my head. Exactly. Stay out of my head. Now that's, that's brilliant. Now you've got 10 boundaries that you talk about. Or 10 laws. 10 yeah. laws. Yeah. Can you, briefly walk through those just i know it's a lot or just pick up one it's or like two the, uh, yeah. maybe, you, you know what maybe a few of the few of the simplest and most yeah. the, the foundational the most powerful one i think that people can give immediate action to mm-hmm. and this comes from the bible 
There's a law called sowing and reaping. Mm, I like that. I wanted to ask you about that. And what sowing and reaping says, it's the basic law mm-hmm. that makes our lives work. Mm-hmm. Whatever you sow, that shall you reap. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, It's not a moral judgment. It's a, it's a law of physics. Mm-hmm. It can be good or bad. If you get up in the morning and you sow energy and effort and your talents, and you sow those to work, then you will reap some kind of a reward, mm-hmm. right? If you decide, no, I'm going to sleep three more weeks, and you sow into that. just, you know, laziness, mm-hmm. then you're going to reap the consequences of that. So it's the way the it's the way the universe is designed. You know, if I keep my car in the lane, I sow a nice trip. If I sow into the other lane, I'm going to have a wreck. Well, in relationships, what happens is the law of sowing and reaping gets interrupted Mm. by something that's commonly called codependency Mm. or enabling. Mm. So what happens is we're in a relationship. We'll say I'm sowing to irresponsibility. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say I'm taking heroin Mm -hmm. or I'm a drunk or Mm. I don't take control of my my anger, and I'm mm-hmm. a rageaholic. So I'm sowing that. I should be reaping the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. But if you're an enabler, mm-hmm. then what happens is you enable me to not reap the consequences mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. and you're reaping all the pain. Exactly. So you're bailing me out. I'm not mm-hmm. paying my bills. Instead of reaping, you know, no food on my table, you're writing all my checks for me. Mm. I'm not responsibly acting in life, but you're reaping the pain. Or I'm not taking control of my anger and I'm screaming at you. No one's going. You're reaping the pain. And so what a boundary does is you come up and say with the law of sowing and reaping, they say, look, I can't stop you from using drugs. I want you to stop. I'll help you stop Mm -hmm. if you agree to stop, but I can't stop you. But I can stop myself from reaping the consequences of your drug addiction. Mm. So that's when you say, I'm no longer going to live with you if you're on heroin. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to be around you if you're screaming drunk. Mm-hmm. So what you've done mm-hmm. is you haven't tried to control me. You've taken control of yourself and your property. And you've said, mm-hmm. I can't control you, but I can limit my exposure to you. Mm. And what that does is Very a good. million good things. So good. Mm-hmm. It gets you out of pain. Mm-hmm. It stops your dependency on my getting well in order for you to have a nice, nice life. But it also leaves me with the consequences. And that mm-hmm. can wake somebody up mm-hmm. to get sober or to stop Make yelling at somebody or to, to get change. a job mm-hmm. or whatever. One of my New Year's resolutions is to work out more and stay more active. In order to maintain a regular workout routine, it's so vital to stretch and take care of your body pre and post workout. One of my secrets to helping my body recover and feel amazing is my Theragun, an easy to use and absolutely amazing handheld percussive therapy device. I use my Theragun before my Orange Theory workout classes to help wake up my muscles and after my workouts to help with muscle recovery and even during the day to help relieve any stress related to sitting or standing too long. I have already noticed a difference since using my Theragun device. Stiffness, knots and soreness are no longer issues. And just for my listeners, Theragun is offering an amazing deal. Visit www 
www.theragun.com forward slash leaf and you'll get two free attachments with any purchase. The link will also be in the show notes. I actually want to read a quote out of Law 10, Law at the Exposure Law. Yeah. That, yeah. that was fast, everything, all of it's fantastic. It was hard to pick a quote, but I, this just caught my attention. You say, because of these fears, we have to, we have, to have secret boundaries. We withdraw passively and quietly instead of communicating an honest no to someone we love. We secretly resent instead of telling someone that we are angry about how they have hurt us. Often we will privately endure the pain of someone's irresponsibility instead of telling them how their behavior affects us and other loved ones. Information that would be helpful to their soul. In so that, I mean, there's there's a lot more, but that was I just thought that was such a good summary. Can you talk a little bit around that and yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Are you sure I wrote that? Oh, you wrote that. You. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you did a good I job. I gotta try here. that. That's, yeah, I think so. Me too. I was thinking the same thing. I really like that. That really caught my eye. Well, well I highlighted the, so much, but this one just kind of really jumped out at me. Well, in the boundaries book, there's ten laws of boundaries. Mm-hmm. Kind of how how these things work, and the law of exposure basically says that our boundaries are never meant to be secret. If you walk down the street, you can visibly see where somebody's property line is. Mm. There's a fence or there's a sidewalk or whatever. Well, in relationships, there's no real visible line other than mm. our skin. So I can I can step over your fence, right? Yeah. I can do something hurtful to you. I can, I can be mean to you mm-hmm. or I can do something that's harming you. And if you have a boundary, you'll feel the consequences mm-hmm. of that. You might get a headache. Mm-hmm. Or you might get depressed mm-hmm. or you might, you know, begin to lose hope. But that's your internal boundary telling mm-hmm. you this is real. Mm-hmm. All right. So we've but it's secret until you put words to it. Mm-hmm. That's so, good. so once you expose it, the law of exposure mm-hmm. says our boundaries are meant to be seen and known until we in a visible way give them up. So mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, if you. If you walk in here, I open up my arms, say, come give me a hug. You can see that I'm opening yes. up to you. But sometimes in relationships, somebody's hurting somebody and they're mm-hmm. not putting words to their boundaries or they're not putting consequences to their boundaries mm-hmm. or they're not enforcing them in any way. So they're secret boundaries. Mm-hmm. But their body and their mind and their soul is experiencing the reality of those consequences. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to make what is you're walking around with the pain you're walking around with to begin to give expression to that. You give expression to it. It can do its work, but not as long as we're not doing anything about it. So you've got to get it out of you. You've got to tell people when they've crossed over that mark and cause that pain. So keeping that resentment in, it'll become resentment and then your whole body suffers. Well, you're, you're the neurobiologist. I mean, what does resentment do to the mind and body? It changes everything. The structures change completely. You just don't function. You embody everything. And then yeah. if it does, I always tell, used to tell my patients when I practice and I'm the work that I do is if you don't get it out, it's going to go in your body. How and, about that? And we, 
it's whatever you don't get out is in. It's in, and it's and your bodies will be all got genetic flaws, so it's going to hit the genetic flaw that's the weakest. It's like where the drain, where, you know, where the water runs down the drain, and that's why the superior. Okay, to can me you so say much. that again, so, so everybody can hear that? It's going to hit the genetic flaw. The flaw in your body, you the weakness. So wherever there's a weakness, it's like when you, you know, you have those flaws where they have drains and the drains, or in your in your courtyard or something, yeah. and there's a drain, and everything's angled towards that drain, so the rainwater will run off into that area. So when we, when we keep resentment inside of us because we haven't exposed our boundaries and we haven't said mm-hmm. to someone, that's as far I need this space or you've crossed something, if you res- keep that inside of you, that resentment then is building, it changes all the chemistry, the blood chemistry, changes everything about how you're functioning, embeds inside your brain as a toxic thought, embeds inside your body, every cell of your body. And then wherever there's a genetic flaw, that eventually gets damaged because all this quantum energy that's toxic, which affects the electrical, physical, and chemistry functioning of the body, then hits that weak area. So like the water will all run down to that drain point. That drain point is your weakest area, and that will suffer the most. And it's different in different people. Exactly. So someone, it might be GI symptoms. Someone else, it might be cardiovascular. Someone else, it might be their skin or migraines or or they're thinking. Or they think. Thinking's always involved. Yeah. Thinking's always involved because, like you said over there, it's going to people withdraw passively, or so then there's this unspoken, you know, kind of tension between people. Or right. So well, it's interesting. You know, as a clinician in the early years of my practice, one of the things that we were seeing a lot, and I don't know the stats today. I mean, it's for sure still a lot, but I mean a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Was I was treating a lot of eating disorders. Mm-hmm. in women mm-hmm. and a lot of bulimia and a lot of anorexia and associated with that you would see oftentimes a lot of panic attacks and that's where the brain you know the amygdala just goes crazy yeah, yeah. right and it's telling your body something's something. wrong something's mm-hmm. wrong something's wrong and so what people do is they're experiencing all of that alarm system going off going in their off, body yeah. Well, your brain's got to make sense of, or your mind's got to make sense of that. So here you are, you're feeling this feeling of dread. And so your brain, your mind both will go, I'm feeling scared. There must be a reason. Oh, the plane is going to crash. I better Mm -hmm. avoid the plane. And then they don't get on the flight and they calm down for a minute. And Mm -hmm. what, what they've done is they've tried to explain why my body is going crazy. Mm -hmm. What they don't realize a lot of times is whatever this phobia is or this panic, that's that's your mind's attempt to try to make sense of how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. And in reality, what you're feeling is you're walking on the planet with no control of your life. Mm -hmm. So you're so the alarm system is going crazy. So they would talk about a panic disorder or, you know, an eating disorder. And when I would say, let's talk about boundaries. It would seem like, why in the world are you changing the topic? Well, I'm not Mm. changing the topic because if you could get back in control of your life where your brain can go to sleep, it can't go to sleep if there's burglars breaking in the door all Mm, the time. Exactly. But you start to get in control of your life. There's an alarm system that's working. You can go to sleep Mm. because everything's okay. Well, then Mm. the panic goes away. Yeah, that's The eating good. disorder goes away. All these symptoms, because you're rewriting the software, again, that controls what your brain does. Exactly. And which is a lot of your work yeah. of rewriting, getting the mind to get back the in control mm-hmm. instead of 
the goofy alarm systems. Exactly. It's that control element that you brought up is just so vital because when you feel out of control, you just feel like you can't do anything. And that's very scary for people. You know, talking... Oh, gosh. Think, think about it. I used to use the example about batteries all the time. Think about this. You're driving down the freeway. Yeah. And you're holding on the wheel. You look in the lane next to you, and there's a psycho cocaine addict in the lane next to you. And then he turns his steering wheel, and your car moves. Yeah. And then you try to correct it, and you can't. And somebody else has control of your car. car. Mm. Well, wouldn't you be wouldn't you be panicked? Total. Take the steering wheel back. Mm. Get some boundaries and say no to a bunch of this stuff. You'll find out you can stay in your lane. You get to where you're going. That's what I want to ask you next. How? How do we do that? So I want some. Let's talk a little bit specifically. Like for example, what are boundaries necessary in a romantic relationship? I want to talk to you about children, parenting. If we could we do a little bit of that, Henry? Is that sure, okay with yeah. you? So, what are some vital boundaries that are necessary in relationships, romantic relationships? Let's start there. Not just general relationships. So, romantic relationships. What would you and and how would you implement that? Well, it's for, practical. Uh, first of all, a lot of and so I want you to to distinguish when you say romantic relationship, just define the difference because there are some differences. Of course, but basically. A lot of what goes awry in romantic relationships are the same issues that go awry in any relationship. Mm. And you're just closer, so you're going to experience them more. You're going to experience them sooner, but you're going to experience them at a depth Mm. that you don't experience where there is, let's call it a, a less deep attachment. So in a, rom- a romantic relationship, you know, a romantic relationship is designed for oneness. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to way back in the beginning, the story of the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. the two shall become one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So obviously there's a physical metaphor to that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately the ultimate romantic relationship is in a marriage where the two bodies become mm-hmm. one. So what you've done is you've given up your boundaries, mm. but you haven't lost your boundaries. Mm. Now, that's a key distinction. Okay. Have you redefined your boundaries, basically? You, you've redefined them mm-hmm. because, see, you become one in that you join the other person, mm-hmm. right? But there's still two, two people. people experiencing that oneness, mm. and they have their own different experience of that oneness. Mm. Now, what you're doing in a romantic relationship is you're trying to get the oneness to work in a way that it's still good for the two that are and have become mm-hmm. one. Now, the physical is easy to describe because mm-hmm. that's that's easy. Yeah. But when we're talking about the metaphysical, mm-hmm. when you're talking about the soul, mm-hmm. we're talking about the mind, mm-hmm. the heart. Mm-hmm. When two people in a romantic relationship, what you've done is you're opening up your heart, mind, and soul to somebody on a much deeper level Mm -hmm. than ever. And so what that means is it ups the ante. If we're in a romantic relationship, Mm -hmm. we're much closer than, Mm -hmm. you know, the guy you're talking to at the counter at the hamburger joint, right? Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that we're really, really close, okay? So like a surgeon, if you see a surgeon, I just just witnessed heart surgery a few months back. Mm -hmm. I was in the OR with a friend of mine who does it. And I'm watching him and he's inside the heart of a person. Mm -hmm. The care, 
the control that he had of himself so he would help the person and not hurt them. That's how this works. Mm. So you get in a romantic relationship. It really, really becomes important for each person to be in control of themselves because mm. they're literally inside the heart of somebody else. Mm. That's a good analogy. So you yeah. you want to control your feelings. If I If we're in a mm-hmm. deep relationship, and let's say I'm bugged with you. Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm in control of myself, then I'm going to regulate that. And I'm going to say, you know, Caroline, when you said that or you did that, that hurt. Mm-hmm. And can you do it in a different way? Or can we talk about that? Mm-hmm. Because in the expression of my feelings, I don't want to infect you with more hurt. Mm-hmm. But I could if I got angry, if I screamed at you. If I got abusive, mm. in a romantic relationship, people have to be in control of their feelings mm-hmm. and express those well. They have to be control of their attitudes. Mm. You know, 90 bazillion percent of how a relationship works is comes from your view of the other person. Exactly. So if you're walking around with a bunch of judgmental, blamey thoughts, mm-hmm. then you are going to infect the relationship. So you got to get in control of how you're thinking about the other person. Are you forgiving? Are you accepting? Are you understanding? You know, I talked about open the gate. You know, if I come over to your house, I can bring you a pizza or I can bring you a pipe bomb. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in expressions of things, am, Mm -hmm. am I giving you empathy? Am I giving you care? All of those, all of those kinds of things that are in normal relationships are intensified romantic relationships. And what we see, especially today, and it goes back, I think, even obviously since the beginning of time, but but really in the in the 60s with the sexual revolution, mm-hmm. Rollo May, one of my, my favorite writers, wrote a book called Love and Will. And I think it was in that book, he said that referring back to the Garden of Eden, you know, so so when Adam and Eve realized that they were you know, imperfect, Mm -hmm. they covered themselves with fig leaves, Mm -hmm. but they covered their private parts, Mm -hmm. right? Because that's our most vulnerable. In the Bible, the word Mm -hmm. no, Mm -hmm. or the word sex Mm -hmm. is the word no, not N-O, like K-N-O-W. K-N-O-W. Yeah. A lot of the religious people think it's N-O, but you know, it's (laughs) K-N-O-W. It means to know someone. Mm -hmm. Well, that metaphor of we cover the area that symbolizes the most, the deepest oneness with the person mm-hmm. is sexuality. In romantic relationships, like Rollo May said, in modern times, we've taken the fig leaf off of our genitals mm-hmm. and put it onto our face. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Mm-hmm. So now you have people giving up their mm-hmm. bodies freely, which is supposed to be the most intimate mm-hmm. oneness you can have with a person. Mm-hmm. Giving that up freely, but never being known inside mm-hmm. of their soul. And you see these instant hookups that go bad later because once you start to open up the Christmas package and yeah. know what's inside, yeah. then the relationship can't make it because people don't have the internal boundaries to mm-hmm. sustain it. 
I recently discovered Noom while searching for some helpful tools on my personal wellness journey and absolutely love it. Because everyone is different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyzing your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers. So you have all the support you need to empower your change. Noom is not a diet, it's a healthy and easy to stick to way of life. Noom doesn't tell you what to do and what not to do. It teaches you how to look inside your own mind and make better decisions for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom. That is N-O-O-M dot com forward slash Dr. Leaf. The link will also be in the show notes. And so one of the things in romantic relationships the ones that work and work well is that there is a progression of boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and exposure, a, I would assume the law of exposure is important that people are really talking about. It's so important to absolutely how you feel. So, and, and it's not rocket science. Mm-hmm. If somebody showed up at your front door mm-hmm. that you didn't know, yeah, you don't open the door and say, hey, I don't really know you. Well, what's your name? Sam. Okay, Sam. Hey, Come on back to my bedroom. Yeah. Nobody would do that, especially metaphorically. What do you do? He's a relationship. You, well, first of all, you don't even open the door, right? You look through the people mm-hmm. and say, who's there? If they show proper identification, and if it's a FedEx guy, what do you do? Well, you actually step out on the front porch and you close the door behind you mm-hmm. and you get to know this person. So after you get to know them a little bit and then you find out, oh, we have some people yeah. in common, then you invite them into the living room. And then you hang out there and maybe, you know, as the relationship progresses, mm-hmm. gradually you can then get more and more of your heart. But the, you, if I'm hearing it's you, progressive. It's progressive and authentic and honest and open yeah. and it's speak about it. Don't keep it in. It's get that out and talk and share as time goes on. Because I don't think people talk and share enough, do they, in relationships, which is, I know when I practice clinically, I found that that was a big issue to get people to share. And on that and, and note, it's all external now. It's, it's, it's Exactly. It's got to be intri- it's extrinsic versus intrinsic. What about with a parent and a child, parenting, relationship boundaries, in that relationship, what yeah. are the boundaries in parenting? It's How do you see that? Don't even get me started. Do we have three <laughs> weeks to talk here? I, I, well, let's try and do that in a few minutes because I want to ask you more questions. <laughs> see, what, what could you tell us in terms of how? Because we have a lot of parents that obviously listen in on this show. And yeah. how can they bring healthy boundaries into the relationships that they can be the best parents? That's the, a big question. Can you make a nice, simple how? I'm going to give you the simplest answer. Yes. Stop controlling your kids. Great. I love Stop. that answer controlling That's really good. your kids. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your job from day one mm-hmm. is to not control your kids and help your kids get in control of themselves. Oh, that's so it's good. called self-control. It's very, very good. When my girls, I've got two daughters. How old are they now? They're 17 and 19. When they got to be teenagers, I sat them down. I said, okay, girls, you're about to become teenagers. Let me tell you how this is going to work. Okay. You're going to want a lot of freedom and more and more freedom. And there is nothing I want to give you more. And let me tell you how much I want to give you. I want to give you 100% freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay. I do not have any desire to control you. I've got better things to do. But in order for that to work, you got to be in control of yourselves. So we're going to have a formula. Okay. And here's how this formula works. It's a mathematical formula. Freedom 
equals responsibility equals love. And those will always be, as long as That's I'm good. your dad. Freedom equals responsibility equals, equals love. love. And as long as, as long as you're here, those will always be equal. Okay. I'm going to give you hundred percent freedom. If you use that hundred percent responsibly, mm-hmm. and we're going to define responsibly by love, is it hurting you or anybody else? Mm-hmm. Then you're fine. If you don't use it responsibly, you're doing something destructive to you or somebody else, then the freedom is going to go down. So they're equal. Mm-hmm. So real life example, we went on a, a spring break ski trip, our family, my oldest daughter, Olivia was a senior in high school at the time. She invited her friend, Vanessa. So we're coming back from the trip. We get stalled in Salt Lake City Airport. We're sitting there. It's late Sunday night, 7 or 8 before we take off. School day the next day. Olivia says, Dad, can Vanessa... And then she stopped. I said, what? She goes, well, I was going to ask you if Vanessa could spend the night, but I know what you're going to say. I said, what? She said, well, you're going to say no because it's a school night. I said, Olivia, why are you asking me such a stupid question? And she goes... What do you mean? I said, why are you asking me if Vanessa can spend the night with you? She goes, well, because it's a school night. I think you probably won't. I go, Olivia, you ought to know how I'm going to answer that question. Yeah, you're going to say no. No, Olivia, how am I going to answer that question? Yeah. And she goes, the formula? I said, the formula. I said, look, I have not had to talk to you about schoolwork since the fourth grade. You're the most responsible person I've ever seen in getting all your schoolwork done. You got a 4.4 average, okay? You have total freedom in that area because you're 100% responsible. Now, my hunch, and I haven't said anything to you since probably the fourth grade. My hunch is if you had a test tomorrow or something and Vanessa spending the night was going to screw you up or it was going to hurt her in some way, you wouldn't be asking me. So why are you asking me these stupid questions? You figure it out. And Vanessa looks at me and goes, can you talk to my parents? <laughs> but the great. point is. She had to figure it out herself. She had to work it out and she's, ask those why she's questions. She's responsible. She's so your goal is to give up more good. and more control. So, so you're saying to give but, control builds the, helps the person to build their own boundaries. As you're long as control. you're holding them responsible for how they use that. Okay. Yep. So. Very good. If they're able to, you give them a little more than they're able to handle, and then you use those failures as training with consequences. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, you get to play in the yard, but you got to get your homework done before dinner. Well, they don't get the homework done. Well, then I guess you don't play in the yard tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. you know, until you, and, and they, they learn. They but that's yeah. not what parents do. No, they parents do it for go, them. They, or they do it for them or... They nag them. You need to go get up there. Yeah, I told you. They come back to me and say, "You need to get up." If I were, if I were king, what I would tweet? Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would outlaw the phrase "you need." That's good. Out of parents' mouth because really Johnny's good. on the couch watching video games. Mom comes down and says, "You need to get up there and do your homework." Johnny is experiencing no need to do his homework. No, because she's taking his responsibility. Whereas if he doesn't do his homework and has to pay the price the next day, he's learned a lesson. And you know what? He'll have a thought that goes through his head. If she says, Johnny, um, you know, we're going going to the basketball game, but the only people that are going are the ones who have done their chores, and i got to do some stuff, your dad's got to do some stuff. And I'll check in with you at six. And if you've done your stuff, that you can, then you can go. If not, then you're staying here with the babysitter from hell. 
And <laughs> and so she walks out of the room. Yeah. All of a sudden, Johnny has a thought has, he's okay. never had before. Mm-hmm. And that thought is, crap, I need to go get my homework done. See, he needs to do it now. Yeah. As you, you put the responsibility, he's making the choices. The control. He's controlling his reactions, the control. That's so good. That's excellent. You wrote a book on boundaries for leaders. Can you talk a little bit about this book and share a couple of tips or one tip that you that well, really jumps out at you? Yeah, whatever it is you lead. I mean, even if it's a parent leading kids, mm-hmm. you know, you got a vision, mm-hmm. right? Like a company has a vision. Well, you got a vision. We got to get... We got to get everybody in the van to school by eight o'clock. Yeah. Well, you got a vision. <laughs> well, then if everybody's late then and you're the one in charge, then it's on your watch. So you're going to get what you tolerate. Mm. And so if you're going you, to get what you tolerate. Yes. Very good. In Boundaries for Leaders, the cover of the book says you have to realize you are ridiculously in charge. Mm. So if you've got a team that's got poor morale or dysfunction or they're not performing and you're in charge of it, then you are doing one of two things. You're either creating that problem mm-hmm. or you're allowing that problem. Very good. You're either creating or creating allowing. Or allowing. If so you're you in charge. You have to look at yourself if you're in charge. Yeah. yeah. So boundaries for leaders, the, the leader is in charge, whether it's a team or an entire company. And they're in charge of some very, very important boundaries mm-hmm. that the neuroscience behind it is we know how people's brains work in order to perform. But if you're leading people in a way that their brains can't follow you as a leader, then they're not going to perform. Mm. And there's a handful of boundaries that leaders have to execute to make the people's brains work. And the first one is they have to be in charge of the emotional climate mm. of how, pe- you know, if somebody's getting yelled at and there's fear mm. and all that kind of stuff, Toxic then work environment. their prefrontal cortex can't work. Mm. Right, it's being flooded and overcome by fight or flight syndrome mm-hmm. and thinking shuts down and all that. You have to make it a safe place. Mm-hmm. But the second thing is the boundaries of attention. So more and more people at work, they're basically creating ADD companies. Oh, certainly. That I agree with you, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you talk to a neuroscientist, mm-hmm. which I'm doing, <laughs> they'll tell you that this thing called multitasking is a myth. Yes, yeah, you can't totally. do it. You, you, that, your yeah. brain cannot do that. It can it can only focus on one thing, at a, on one thing at a time. So boundaries yeah. create focus. So what a leader's like got to do boundaries create focus. Absolutely, so they can do one thing consciously at a time. That's right. Mm-hmm. And if a leader knows how the executive functions of the brain work, mm-hmm. and when you talk about the executive functions of the brain, what you have your brain has to do to execute something, mm-hmm. then there's three things you have to worry about. Number one, it's got to attend to what is relevant. If you're driving down the road, there's a couple of things you got to attend to. The speed, your lane, oncoming traffic. Can't attend to anything else. Somebody starts texting, they lose it. Mm-hmm. So you've got to attend to what's relevant. A leader's got to keep what's important in front of people at all times. And there can't be more than a couple of things. Mm-hmm. If everything's important, nothing is. Exactly. Second thing is the brain's got to do, it's got to inhibit everything that's not important. So you can't go bombing them with 8,000 emails mm-hmm. that sound as important as the main thing. So you got to attend to what's relevant. You got to inhibit. And that's a mind decision. You've got to. That's a mind decision. The person has to use their mind to inhibit. That's right. And the leader's got to make it, you know, structured. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is something called working memory. Mm -hmm. So what that means is that the brain has got to keep that in front of it Mm -hmm. all the time. It's in RAM. It's got to be pulled up. The program's Mm got to be open. So you attend to what's relevant. 
you inhibit what's mm-hmm. not, and you keep it in front of people all the time, and they'll execute. That's really good. I like that. That's fantastic. There's, There's four, so much four or five others in there, but the book's Boundaries for Leaders. Boundaries for Leaders. We'll put that in the show notes as well so people can find that out. Digestion is a big problem for so many people I meet today. And without strong digestion, you'll battle to reach the level of mental health and performance you deserve. A balanced gut microbiome, something the right probiotic can help you achieve, helps turn the food you eat into nutrients your brain can use. While there are countless probiotics out there, there's one from a company called Bioptimizers that I have found to be especially impressive. It's called p 3 P3-OM helps with protein digestion, which then helps deliver more essential amino acids and other nutrients to your brain and help with neurotransmitters that boost your mood and mental health. You can get a free bottle of P3-OM shipped out today by going to www.p-3-o.m.com slash leaffree and use the coupon leaffreep3om. The link will be in the show notes. Henry, what about people that respond negatively to you exposing your boundaries, you know, the law team? How do you deal with people that fight that or get angry or whatever? Well, first of all, you've got to make a shift. I remember I was doing a seminar one night and the lady said, well, what do you do with a controlling person if you're in a relationship with a controlling person? Mm, that's a question I get asked often. I said, you convert them. Now, we happen to be in a church at the mm-hmm. seminar. She goes, well, they have no interest in my... I said, I didn't say anything about converting them to God. You convert them from being a controlling person to a frustrated person. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> she said, what do you mean? I said, I said, oh, hear me on this. There is no such thing as a controlling person. Oh, so your perception's wrong. As soon as I say no to a controlling person... They're not in control of me, but now they've turned into a frustrated person Mm because they can't get what they want. So as long as you're giving in, you can say they're controlling me. Well, you're allowing it. You're allowing it. You're allowing it. You're always in control. I mean, unless somebody's Mm -hmm. physically tying you hostage or something. But Mm -hmm. as soon as you say no, then that's going to diagnose what kind of person am I dealing with? If you're dealing with somebody that's loving, they respect your no. Move back, yeah. Yeah, if I stepped on your toe, we're sitting here, Mm -hmm. you know, in this interview, if I stepped on your toe and said, oh, that hurt, don't do that. I'd Mm -hmm. say, oh, my gosh, Carolyn, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. I would take control of my behavior Mm -hmm. that's hurting you, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't do that anymore. But Mm -hmm. if I'm what the Bible calls a fool, Mm -hmm. then I can't stand correction, or I can't stand Mm -hmm. the limit. Mm -hmm. And you say, you stepped on my toe. What would I do immediately if I'm a fool? Well, that's because you stuck it out in front of me. Just that's because you have big feet. That's because you're always getting them. And I would start blaming oh, you. Mm-hmm. And so you are going to run into people that don't like limits. And what do you do? You empathize and you hold the limit. Good. I like that. So mm-hmm. if I say no and you get mad mm-hmm. or you try to manipulate mm-hmm. me, let's role play it. Okay. Okay, so you ask me something and I'm going to say no to it. Why did you stand on my toe? <laughs> well, that's a why question. Oh, that's true. Say, say um, no, you're the controlling person. Okay. Okay, so you're going to ask me to you, do something and I'm going to say no. Can you go pick up this for me and go and do all my errands today? And- oh, no, I'm sorry. I've got, uh, I can't do it. Okay. Why? 
I'm busy. I need you to do it. I'm sorry. That's really, I've got, I got stuff to do and I can't do it. But I've also got stuff to do. Why aren't you doing it for me? Mine's more important than yours. I'm sorry. Did I said, no, what is it about that? I do so much for you. Why won't you? I know. And I really appreciate those things. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I know that's frustrating to you, but I, I can't do that. And that person can go away and do with their stuff and do it themselves. Yeah. See, what you're asking me to do mm-hmm. is you're asking me to have to justify mm. so that you can overcome my argument. Give me ah, a, very good. And I'm not going to ju- – no is a complete sentence. So no is a complete sentence. So I don't have to justify it. Now, in ah. most of the time we do, say, gosh, I'm sorry. I'd love to, but i got another meeting. Yeah. Well, that's fine. But if they're trying to wear you down – and you just stop and say, you know what? I said no. I'm really sorry that that's frustrating to you. Very I understand good. that why it would be frustrating, but I'm not I, I'm not going to choose to do Very that. Good. You You're reset good. the limit, mm. but you empathize instead of justifying. Mm. That's so I'm good. sorry you that's em- so frustrating. You reset the limit and you empathize instead of justifying. Yeah. You know that will free so many people. Yeah, you're done. Just that alone. Keep going. So now, okay, so you got to the point where... No, you, just keep going. And I say, no, no, I can't do it. Okay, so what do you expect me to do now? No, I don't know. It leaves you with a kind of a dilemma, doesn't it? It does. That's I'm hard. I'm going to have to see if I can do this myself. Mm, I'm sorry. That's hard. <laughs> so good. It sounds like you're really busy today. I'm really busy. It would really help you if I would abandon my life and make myself miserable and get migraines for three weeks and not be able to function. And I'm kidding. <laughs> and no. that's what that person wants you to do, but it says yeah. literally. So, so they put, no, you sorry. know, this is the term we have in South Africa for that kind of thing is where someone tries to put the gorilla on your back. Don't there take, you. don't take someone else's gorilla. You know, so you go to a point and then you've got, and that's if I'm hearing you correctly, that's yeah. what you're saying. But that's a mind decision and it's a choice decision. You've got to use know yourself. You've got to know your identity in order well, to that, set your boundaries. That That's a key point. You know, a lot of people, it's like a fish doesn't know it's wet. Mm. You know, there, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is out of the book of Hebrews, and it says that solid food is for the mature. Now, think about this. Babies, you don't give them solid food. <laughs> well, solid food, adult life, like relationships, mm-hmm. for example, marriage, you know, careers, all mm-hmm. that. That's for mature people. We try to grow up kids mm-hmm. to be mature. And here's what it says. Solid food. So look, close relationships are for the mature. Mm-hmm. And then the verse says, who through practice mm-hmm. have had their senses trained to discern good from evil. So if you start manipulating me mm-hmm. and I'm in touch with myself, a little button goes off mm-hmm. inside of me. Very good. You know it. You can see that, that feeling. Well, you know, as a neuroscientist, this mm-hmm. goes all the way down your spine. Uh, Absolutely. It'll start to body. tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I sense that and I start to feel uncomfortable. And I say, you know what? I don't really feel comfortable with that. I don't want to do that. But a lot of people in their growing up years, or they've been gaslighted, for example, in their growing up years, somebody will hurt them and they'll say something. And the other person will say, what? But it doesn't hurt. That's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't really do anything. And devaluing the experience. They're invalidating and mm-hmm. talking them out of their senses. So they've lost touch with what actually hurts them, and they've normalized it. Mm. So part of boundaries recovery in adulthood is you got to get back in touch with your feelings. That's really good. So you've you know when touch. something hurts because you've been talked out. But you haven't suppressed it or been talked out of it. Right. So you mentioned the word gaslighting. Can you quickly define and just talk for a minute or so about that? Well, it's a popular term now. It's an old term, actually. But, it, but you know, basically you get talked out of your mind. 
Mm. or you get convinced out of your mind where you lose your own reality. And when somebody's in a controlling, manipulative relationship, they're invalidating you so much or they're distorting reality so much. You hear this all the time, people Mm. with bad boundaries. Somebody does something to them and they'll say, well, I know it's my fault. I should have. Because they've been convinced in this relationship that they're the bad guy. Mm. They're the perpetrator. No, they're not. They're the Mm. victim. And until they give a voice to that, then gaslighting is when somebody invalidates you. They start to make you feel like you're the sick one. You're the crazy one. You know, you see a lot of times people say, am I crazy or what? They're really asking a question. Yeah, they're confused. This other person's confused them. Mm. Now they have control of them. If you can confuse somebody, you've got control control over them. That's very good. You've confused someone or you've been confused by someone. You are controlling or you're letting someone control you. What about narcissism? That's also something that's just, I don't like labels. I'm totally, I think labels lock them in, but it describes symptoms. Well, it describes behaviors, yeah. Yeah, behaviors. And Um, how would you describe a person, what would you say about narcissism? Well, well, narcissism is, you know, the simplest definition is it's self-love, right? Mm. But (laughs) for some people have turned into an art form. I mean, you know, we all we all have to have good feelings about ourselves so we yeah, can function. Yeah. But ultimately, narcissism is in its malignant form, it's about something called egocentricity, mm-hmm. where I am the center of the universe. Well, if I'm the center of the universe, then you live in my orbit. Mm, and I control you and you do everything for well, me. Well, no, no. If I'm the center, if I'm the yeah. narcissist. Yes, everyone does then, everything for you. Then you exist for me. Mm-hmm. Just like mm-hmm. the planets revolve around the sun. Well, yes. a narcissist wants everything to revolve around them. So they're mm-hmm. always, always, always using every relationship to manipulate people to either make them feel good or worship them, or idealize them, or give them all their time and energy and this and the other. And the person starts to become invisible because they're not a person unto themselves Maybe in that broken. relationship. So how do? what is the advice you give someone who's in a relationship with people that are acting like a narcissist? Well, I, exhibiting I, I did a lot of sections. And if you go to boundaries.me, I've got a lot of, a lot of even, you know, telling you how to talk to them stuff. Yeah, I see but, you've but, done a lot of good but, stuff. The very first thing is back to what we said. You know, if you're in a relationship, a good relationship is mutual. Mm -hmm. So what that means is there's enough space in the relationship for two people's needs to get met, Mm. for two people to be appreciated, for two people to be given to, somebody's giving, somebody's, there's this flow, right? Well, in a narcissistic relationship, what happens is you begin to feel like the mutuality is missing, Mm. That makes sense. And so you start to feel invisible, Mm -hmm. like they don't listen to you or you give and you never get anything in return. And not that we give to get, but in any good relationship, you know, I pet my dog and she licks me. (laughs) There's some kind of response. And you start to feel like this is one sided. Mm -hmm. And so the first step is getting in touch with that feeling. Acknowledging that you feel that this is one side of it. And then you got to start to put some words to that. Mm, Express it. Okay. Best not done in, you know, in some big moment. Best done when it's not happening. Say, you know, I want to talk a little bit about how we relate. Mm. And I know you love me, and I know our relationship is our relationship's important to me. Mm. It is to you. But a lot of times I find that, you know, we're mostly doing what you want to do. Mm. And I need some time for us to do some things I want to do too. Mm. Or 
we're mostly talking about what's going on in your life. Mm. And I just need to ask, are you interested in what I'm feeling or what I want? Or So you just have a conversation. And then from there. And if there, they don't respond, if you do the, like the role play earlier on, you've actually got to then almost. Yeah. You, you, move you, on you know, a lot of times they'll kind of revert it immediately back to them and just say, well, hold on a second. Right now we're talking about me. We can talk mm. about you later, but right now. And try to keep it focused and see if they can get it. Ultimately, like you get in a marriage or something, a tough relationship with a narcissist, generally, I would say almost all the time, what is going to require is a third party. And to that's where going to a good counselor, you know, and they can, can begin help. to... Because it's it's sort of like dialysis, you know, the, the toxic stuff headaches. runs through the therapist and they can mm. can get it in a way said that maybe they can hear hopefully. in a different way. Yeah, that's a really good thing. Okay, we've got to wrap this up soon. Gosh, Henry, there's so much I want to ask you still, but what is something that keeps you up at night and something that gets you up every morning? Something that keeps me up at night and something that gets me up every morning. Well, I can wake up in the night for two reasons. One is stress. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's generally, generally, I'm, I'm by and large a pretty good sleeper, but generally it's because I haven't given my brain and my mind the time it needs to process something. Very good. I love that. Because your brain's going to try to finish something. Of it's going to complete a loop. Angel mind. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm overwhelmed by definition, meaning I've got more going on than I'm giving adequate time to process, mm-hmm. it's going to wake me up and say, will you listen to me now? You're not listening to me in the daytime. Mm-hmm. And that so problem's going to come back. I really like that, that you haven't processed adequately. i got to process it. And so, like, I'll give you an example. In the last year, a, a lot of things are changing and just a lot of stuff in, in, my, in my business world. And... I was, you know, I'm looking at plans and strategies and spreadsheets around the clock and all this kind of stuff and reorganizing things. And I started waking up and I realized, you know what, I've been working on this stuff, but I'm not giving any time to observe and sit down and get above it and process it. So I had to partition out not working time, but thinking about it all Mm. and talking it out with a trusted advisor or two. And I've got to do that long before I go to sleep so it can calm down. You know, if I do it right before I go to bed, boom, I'm going to wake up. What gets me up in the morning, well, first of all, (laughs) and I laugh when I say this, but my family, I mean, I'm going to wake up to to hilarious, crazy people. I love that. that. And so I think for me, life, you know, under God is it's about love and work. And so the people you love the most, your friends, your family, your spiritual family, you know, your marriage, your relationship, whatever it is you're in, that's most important. We're going to dinner with some friends tonight and it's been set up for two days. I found yesterday, midday, I started feeling the endorphins just thinking about seeing them tonight, you know. And so so when we have things Mm -hmm. that the brain is looking forward to, you know, it's going to activate a lot of good stuff. So in your love and in your work, if there are things, doesn't mean they're not hard, but if there mm-hmm. are things that are positive, 
So there's hard things that are positive. Mm-hmm. There's hard things that are toxic. Mm-hmm. So if you got stuff going on that you're looking forward to, you're not going to have trouble getting out of bed. Oh, that's I love that. That's incredible. Henry, where can people find out more about you, your work, your podcasts, and your books? Yeah, if you go to drcloud.com, you can kind of see everything. We're talking about boundaries. Where I would direct you immediately, first step would be go to boundaries.me. Okay. And what that is, is I've developed an online, we call it an online coaching relationship between mm-hmm. me and the audience. Mm-hmm. And you you sign up and I'm feeding you stuff all the time. There's, there's 60 or 70 pretty in-depth courses on that platform of how to deal with a narcissist, how to deal with the extended family, how to reach your goals, what goes wrong when we don't, depression, anxiety, stress. All these topics are on boundaries.me. That's and that, that's that's a cool place to send people. Fantastic. We'll put that into the show notes and so people oh, can find that link very easily. You're just a pillar of wisdom. You have so much insight and it's yeah. a pleasure to Just a lot to of you. miles, actually. <laughs> a lot of miles. <laughs> well, it's been they're good miles. You've you've yeah. done some good miles there. So that was fascinating. Thank you so much. And I hope that we'll be able to continue this discussion in another podcast one day and do it again. And it's been amazing having you on the show. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been good. Thank you. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of errors.